This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Hello, and with me, Cam Rusland, today, we have the returns of, she is a video producer at BFM, the wonderful Rahma Pauzi. Hi, Cam, and hi, everyone. Hi, and you can't obviously see this at home, folks, but uh, Rahma is posing in front of a, a desert island scene, which... Uh, which looks fantastic. I and love then Zoom. We, <laughs> Zoom. And uh, we have the return of, he is, uh, I asked him how I should introduce him and he said, whatever you want. He, uh, mis- he was Mr. Advertising. He is, uh, he's an actor. Uh, he is uh, Conscience of the Nation. He is the, the leader of uh, a community called Sarani Sembang. He is Vernon Adrian Amwang. Uh, well, hmm. Thanks for that introduction. Okay. So yeah. I think our three topics will be kind of connected by a sense of uh, anxiety, anxiousness, and how to get ourselves out of that. Because the three topics are, topic number one is uh, our associations as individuals. Topic number two is the search for cultural comfort food. And finally, topic number three is frame it, don't flame it. So uh, with topic number one, Rahma, our associations. Yeah, okay. So uh, I've been working on a uh, digital content over the past, I think, two weeks, uh, looking at horse trading and politics, you know, given whatever that's been happening in our local political scenes over the past few months and how there's so many horse tradings, you know, going on. And, and, and I did a bit more research and apparently something similar happened in India back in April in this one state in India, Madhya Pradesh. Um, the entire state government just collapsed because um, the politicians end up like, you know, forming uh, new associations behind uh, closed doors and all of that and effectively, you know, just like, you know, collapsing the entire state government. And I was, I could not stop thinking about how similar that, uh, situation is, you know, looking at what we've been experiencing as nations over the past few months. So, this what got me thinking about, well, so then we always look at politicians or individuals as, uh, you know, from their associations that they form. So, if you are from like, if you're a politician from like a certain political party, you'll feel like that person has no individuality in a sense that you always expect that person to just vote um, along the party lines or like, you know, stand for whatever the party is saying, but uh, just, you know, to kind of like take that a bit further, a bit more critically, like is that the kind of person that we want to be? Like someone who's like, you know, you can predictable, someone who lacks conscience and cannot, you know, go against party lines and get punished. Um, and I just thought about that and made me reflect on something a lot more closer and personal. And uh, one of the things that we tend to do as adults, or like rather, like me, as new adult, uh, whenever we go to parties, we tend to, hey, I'm Rama, I'm a video producer. As if like that's like one thing that defines me. I work at BFM, as, as if that's one thing that defines me. And why do we do that? Why do we always identify ourselves as like, you know, associations that we a part of? Like, can, can I just like be, hey, I'm Rama, and I like cats? Um, you know, but, but even then there's like hoping for like some similarities asking, you know, maybe I hope you like cats too, you know, and I was just wondering like how, what, what, and, and, and I just think that like we lack, um, uh, I guess flexibility, um, we want to be, in, we want to be unique, we want to be ourselves, but the moment we see, uh, politicians, and I'm not saying that, um, uh, horse trading is necessarily good or bad. Um, just wanting to reflect on Abraham Lincoln actually 
perform horse trading when he was trying to outlaw slavery um, by offering political patronages to his um, fellow opposition uh, party members. And, uh, and, and it's like part and parcel of democracy. Um, and democracy is about like standing strong to like what your political conscience tell you. Um, so yeah, so I, I and, and that kind of like make me think about all these other things that we're trying to like associate ourselves with, trying to like associate other people's with, and we punish people the moment they don't do uh, whatever that they're told to do. But at the same time, we kind of want them to be principled. Like, yeah. But, but, but well, Rahma, first of all, you uh, you per- you actually defy pigeonholing, and I think that you know. Perhaps if you said you're a video producer who likes cats, it's, uh, <laughs> you're, you're going to discover that there is so much more to Rahma. <clears throat> but surely in the case of politicians, if we vote for them, we're voting for what it says on the tin. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, if it says uh, UMNO, mm-hmm. we understand what UMNO means, and there's complete expectation that it would be UMNO. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, the politician is merely just... Uh, just a limb, just a facet. But, yeah. a but I guess the reason why they turun padang is to be able to let the people know that they are more than just the party, you know. And I guess uh, it's it's in not just being labelled as something or actually proclaiming your one thing, but as I mentioned earlier before we started recording, life is really in the conversations that we have, where you know aspects and details and the granularity of a personality comes through. So, and I, I guess we usually look for common ground when we introduce ourselves, you know? We try to make the other person feel at ease, that we're not that strange, you know? And uh, yeah, I guess, I, guess, I guess that's why we say things that appear to be non-threatening when we first meet people or when we enter into a community that we are new to, yeah. you know? We try and assert something that's more familiar. Because I think, you know, it's very interesting how of late, everybody's so fearful and suspicious of each other. And uh, is it because media is telling us that we should be careful and suspicious of each other? You know, that whole idea of identity politics. Yeah, yeah. So there are two things here. So whenever, like I say that, you know, I'm trying to define myself like as what I do, whatever, um, my video producer, but that's also, well, that is a function of the moment, just trying to yeah. like get the other person comfortable, but that's also ingrained in our brain as if that's what we are. So I guess it's not what we're trying to do in the moment, but more about mm-hmm. what's the effect of that in the long run. Because the moment we see that, for example, just like looking at the job's perspective, right? And that's when we start thinking about, I got to dedicate myself 100% to this job. It's okay for me to pull all-nighters. It's okay. You know what I mean? So it's like we're allowing... Um, these associations to determine how we should live and allowing certain behaviors that we shouldn't have, you know? So that's one. And like to answer what Cam was saying just now, I think that despite like how much you're trying to vote someone because of the association that they uh, have and like, I'm no, I, I know what I'm getting at, you know, for example, I know I'm going to get out of it. So I'm just going to vote for this person. As much as like that's true, but maybe because it's also, I think, we don't have a culture where we don't encourage something that goes beyond that. So if you are within a certain, you know, like I think if we encourage a culture that it doesn't matter what form or association you're from, like as long as you bring something new, like, you know, like the association is just like 
one way to represent yourself, but it doesn't mean that you are that. So I think we are not open to multitude of complexities. And I guess that's, that, that makes it like easier. Yeah. For, yeah to I, I really, I mean, I, I really get what you're saying, uh, sister. <laughs> and, and, you know, freeform jazz dance and everything in, through life. But, but at the same time, I think that uh, we can, surely we can feel disappointed and, or even angry if somebody stops being what we thought they were. What is that? Like, is that like a society that's like a bit, like we, we, are we requiring, should we be in a society that's a bit more mature? In, 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 in well, it was very interesting when, when you had said, uh, uh, we, you know, when you said, you used the pronoun we about uh, <laughs> wanting to um, assert commonalities, right? So, uh, I, and, and, I, and I feel it's because, it's because we want to make the other person comfortable. Whereas if you had said something like, uh, like uh, something that shocks the other person, that person won't know how to react. It'll put them in an awkward situation. And then the next thing is the ball is in your court in order to make that <laughs> other person feel better. You know? And you might, you might do it well or you might not. And if you don't do it well, then somehow the relationship is off on a wrong foot. You know, kind of thing? So, so there is, there is risk-taking. You know, when you want to assert a difference, you know. Well, well, we we must move on, but I will leave the last last word with uh, Rahma. This uh, epiphany that you've had, <laughs> uh, uh, and and this uh, beautiful, uh, loving feeling toward all humanity, and, <laughs> and all their beautiful complexities. Um, so you're, I mean, I, I I like what you're saying, and I agree with you. I really do. But at the same time, it requires. Surely. I mean, are you cool with this? I think I'm cool with it. Like, and I think, and, and not that I'm cool with it as in like, I think this is the world that we are in. I think just like encouraging understanding of uh, it's not always like that, you know, um, uh, is, is, is important. And I guess like maybe I have a personal opinion about, about my relationship to my own associations, to my relationship to like work, for example, you know, and, and, and I guess, and the reason why like, I think this topic is so close to me is because like COVID, um, if I start as anything, is the fact that you are not your job, you're not what you're trying to associate yourself with all the time, the moment you're cooped in, cooped in. That, you're alone. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and I think that like, that's, and I think that's like what's so interesting about COVID is that the moment I'm trying to just make sure that work is my whole thing and whatever project I'm working outside is my whole thing, association I'm trying to form outside is the whole thing that I'm doing, then I would never leave my screen, you know? Then I would never leave um, this conversation. I would always, so it's almost like, a high that is that becomes toxic eventually if 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 um you know in this in this covid era and and, and i think like had you asked me pre-pandemic pre-pandemic rama wouldn't wouldn't necessarily agree with this and uh, i'm guessing that i'm just like you know trying to pull you guys in and to join, to join my epiphany <laughs> well, well excellent a bit of culture is all, a, a bit of culture is always about uh public therapy for, <laughs> for the panelists well, uh, definitely mine <laughs> and with that, with that in mind, we're going to go into topic number two, which is cultural comfort food. I wanted to do a different topic earlier, but seriously, the only thing that's on my mind at the moment is that my cat is seriously ill and will not be with us next week. And it's absolutely, uh, it's just heart, it's heart-wrenching for me it's, uh, and my wife. It's, it's really, really awful. Yeah. And, um, and it's about, when I say comfort food, it's because 
when you're faced with uh, an appalling emotional situation, do you submit to it completely? Do you dive into it wholly and just live in that? Or is it acceptable or even possible to, to take moments away from it? So, uh, for instance, la last night I happened to watch a very short thing that was funny. Uh, and, and I had a, a coughing fit and I thought, oh my God, I've got COVID. And then I, I realized, no, it's not COVID. It's because I laughed. <laughs> I, and I laughed and I, um, you know, things started kind of like shifting around in my lungs. <laughs> and it was like, well, do I feel guilty about laughing at such a terrible time? So I, I want to ask for you to, to see if you can send me in the right direction for cultural comfort food. Something that's, or is that, is that acceptable? I don't know, you guys, we've all been in moments of grief. What do you do? Well, yeah, and it's looking for things that, that give us some moments of solace, escape, uh, you know, um, a, 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 a mind, a, a conscious caress, you know, a consciousness, a caress of the consciousness to just let us remember that there's more to life than this, this particular tragedy. I think it's, it's, it's really important to, disengage, you know, whether from happiness or from tragedy, and to be able to just for a moment realize that there is a lot more to life than that bad thing that's going on. So that reach for cultural comfort food, I think is, uh, is a survival instinct, you know, perhaps, I don't know, in my humble opinion. Yeah, you know? yeah. I remember when I, so I, I went to boarding school one of the things that I was like looking forward to because my mom would come visit me um, every week. And although like I was fed really, really well to school and I gained a lot of kilos, uh, you know, as a teenager. And I still remember one of the things that my mom would always try to do was to always make sure that she comes to my school, not with KFC, not with McDonald's, but with always something that she cooks. And she would always wake up really early in the morning on Sundays to cook me something. And I did not, appreciate it in the sense that oh my god like I want that like I think this is like nice but it took me like years to realize how much I was looking forward to that moment because um and, and, and I'm not trying to be cliche with like oh um mom's cook or whatever it's not necessarily that but I remember each time I fed myself with like very specific Javanese food that I know nobody in my school can ever like you know give me recipe for um it's it reminds me of like a certain place and time in my mom's kampung, in my mom's kanduri, you know, um, uh, whenever she cooked me something. And, 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 and I was really homesick. And although like I was, the school was like a boarding school like right next to PWTC. So it was actually not that far from where I, where my family live in Kajang. Um, but it felt like it's like, it's a world on its own. And, and, and then come again. When, it, when you're that young, distance yeah. is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember, Cam, um, it made me feel good each, each, each week um, just for that. And I felt like my juice was just like depleting come like Friday, but on Sunday, I'm like a full person again, you know? And, and it does do something to you. You know, uh, you know Rama, it, it, it's really weird. It's so interesting you should say about when, when you were young and at... Um, school because I too when I was young went to prison known as boarding school and um, and I too suffered the homesickness etc and actually in these times of trouble I too actually find myself seeing myself at that at that age in that place and 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 falling back on the the 
the the habits the, that I try I, I have evolved then to sort of deal with it. Um, and and I too went to a boarding school that was so close to where I lived. Um, uh, years later, it struck me as like, oh my god, I can walk home. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, and, and the thing that, that the comfort food thing that I found, I, I return to time and time again is actually it's the Beatles. Um, the songs of the Beatles. I mean, I love David Bowie, but David Bowie is the music that came to me when I left home. The Beatles is the music of home. And, uh, you know, I think, Rahma, what you're describing, and, and it really resonates with me, is home, isn't it? That's, yeah. that's that place, and you can eat home, you can listen to home, you can smell home, and etc. Familiarity, yeah. it really um, grounds us. Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm looking for at the same time, of course, <clears throat> the sense of loss is that I'm losing home. So... Anyway, um, enough of my, my therapy, but I, I, I would thank you both. And, and the thing about viticulture is we, we, we don't want to give the impression that we live in some sort of emotional <laughs> vacuum or anything. You know, we're, as, as Rahma was saying, we are individuals we, yeah. and we have our losses and realities of life. But in a moment, we're going to come back with um, uh, Vernon's way of helping us through this time, which will be to frame it don't flame it here on a bit of culture bfm 89.9 and we're back with myself cam ruslan rahma pausi and now vernon adrian amwang is going to tell us about frame it don't flame it yep well you know um when i was asked to come up with a topic i started to think about what was going on all around me and uh one of the of course uh overpowering situations at the moment is the uh, Biden-Trump elections and how uh, the, uh, the electorate in America is so divided between Trump and Biden. It's such a close call. Uh, it's kind of scary to think, you know, uh, what lies ahead. And uh, it made me think about how Trump and his gang have managed to sell themselves in such convincing ways to such a huge part of America even though most of us might think that actually Trump isn't the better choice in the elections. Um, and so it made me think about how, you know, agenda setting is constructed in politics and how the media might be used and how the power of optics and stuff happens um, to present a view of reality that people buy into. And it made me think about this whole idea of framing, where if you frame the story in a particular way, uh, it will make the receiver of that story understand it, buy into it, react to it, respond to it, etc. And it made me think about, you know, how uh, sometimes we often misframe things, or sometimes we fall into the frame that has been created in order to get the desired effect from us. And I worked in advertising, as Cam had mentioned, so I was very much guilty of uh, framing things in particular ways. As McCann Erickson's slogan said, advertising was the truth well told, which is, you know, <laughs> quite an interesting little statement uh, where you want to present a product, you tell the truth about it well uh, through the advertising narratives. So it made me think about like triggers, you know, when people are completely taken over by certain triggers that set them off in a particular reaction. Um, for instance, uh, what happened with uh, 
Jude Mahathir and his tweets about the French situation, where you know a small part of the tweet was taken out and completely blown out of proportion, and it created a huge furor all over the world kind of thing. Uh, framing is about knowing how to read something uh, deep enough to get the context, not just the contents, but also the context, the stories behind it. Um, and I think it helps if all of us could improve our framing abilities so that perhaps maybe we can become a little bit more critical in how we receive messages and how we receive uh, sights and sounds around us so that we don't, it's not a knee-jerk reaction, you know. Uh, for instance, at the moment, people are digging their heels in uh, because one side is saying one thing and the other side is having a knee-jerk reaction, not considering the full context of what, what's been said, why it's been said, how it's been said, what was behind being said, etc. Um, and then it also comes back to the whole idea of uh, this whole situation in our politics in Malaysia, you know, betrayals. Somebody betrayed somebody once, that person isn't forgiven. Uh, we don't know the full story of the betrayals, so we judge and maybe we jump to conclusions. And like in politics, nothing is so apparent because they've got their spin meisters and things can be taken and reframed in such a way. So it goes back once again to the Trump-Biden story. So framing, for me, yeah, something that I've been thinking quite a lot about recently. Well, well Rahma, let, let me uh, bring you in here because you are uh, a video maker. You're, you're one of the propagandists mm -hmm. who are manipulating us into... That's me. That's you into thinking the way that you want us to think. How, uh, I mean, framing, what, how, do you, how do you approach the framing of yeah. a story? That's one thing that I noticed um, after like, I don't know, six years, like, you know, making films, being a video journalist. I noticed there's like one thing that video journalists or journalists tend to do, um, at least locally what from I noticed is that to ignore context. Uh, there's no like deep appreciation of context because you're so quick to just report what happened without yeah. thinking, you know, without really saying what happened, what not, what, what hadn't happened and all that. So it's been covered, but one thing that I've paid a particular attention over the past two years, three years, I've been to really explain and situate my, my, my subject matter in, in, a, in, in a very good context. Um, and, and sometimes I even make the context a story on its own. Um, and that's why newer news outlets like Vox, for example, so good in their video making is precisely because they're not explaining the news, they're not explaining what happened, they're explaining why it happened, they're explaining the context a lot more. But the issue is that those kind of like more thoughtful, more timeless work requires a lot more work, right? And requires a bigger team, requires more sophistication because that's not necessarily how people prefer to operate, especially in the social media age where things are just so fast. And when things are fast, do you want to talk about the context? Do you want to talk about what happened? Of course, you want to talk about what happened immediately. And I think that's like, you know, if like one thing I want to like really nail it on like, you know, I don't know, new journalism graduates, like media practitioners is, is really to just like really talk about context. And it's one thing that I've been talking to um, a lot of my uh, colleagues over the past, I don't know, a few weeks is that it's okay to be a couple of steps behind as long as you're mm. a couple of inches deeper. Yes, wonderful. I like that. Love that. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, um, I, I'm reminded actually of... Um, 
there's this David Bowie interview that's doing the rounds at the moment. Uh, he did it back in 1999 at the beginning of the internet age. And he was, he was one of the sort of pioneers of using the internet. Uh, he, he was one of the first people to have a website, if you can imagine. And, um, and, and he was being interviewed and he was saying that, that the internet was going to change everything because one of the things that it would do is it would, it would break up the consensus of, uh, of what was understood to be known truths and known lies. We would no longer have that solid ground to be able to agree, or not just agree, but just assume, you know, we just like taught it that a war started at a certain time and ended at a certain time and people won that war and people lost that war. Whereas now it's possible to say that war never even happened and it was staged in a studio. <laughs> and one of the things also, I'm old enough to remember that when Rupert Murdoch came along in the 1980s, he transformed news reporting from fact-based, from the intellect, from the telling of known truths, known lies. He transformed it to emotions and feelings he made you respond to a story about, and consistently now, about, say, immigration, not as, oh, we need to work out the economics of this, but we're being invaded, they're going to come in here, they're going to kill us all, they're going to kill my children, they're going to rape us, and all that kind of stuff. You feel emotionally about it. So I don't even know if context is possible these days. Well, I think context is only possible if you have various points of view. So that, that, whole, that whole presentation of news through a panel you know, like for instance, there is a, there is this, there is this uh, news news program in Australia. Uh, I can't remember the name of it now, but it's four news presenters sitting together, and one doles out the news and the others comment on it. So it's really interesting how you get to see different kinds of people uh, responding to the news in particular ways, and it actually opens your eyes to the possibilities of interpretation. And so, to the is that show they're actually talking about advertising, isn't it? No, no, no. In fact, in fact uh, ABC uh, has, does a lot of that, where they have panels of people, you know, not just one or two, but maybe three, sometimes even five people sitting yeah. around and having conversations. And you about the get, framing, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. Good. they're so, good, I like them very much. Yes, yes. Um, I think it's called The Project the project on Channel 10. And the panel, very interestingly, is always very diverse. You've got a nice mix of uh, men, women, different kind of like ethnicities and stuff like that. Really very interesting. And uh, I guess that's how perhaps we could be moving, you know, in terms of uh, the delivery of news so that various viewpoints can be accommodated at any one point. Well, can, can I ask you, Rahmar, can I ask you then, again, because you are the one who's going to be uh, putting our manifesto into effect that, that, we have decided, <laughs> that we have decided here today. Can, can you show context and knowledge, etc., but can you do it entertainingly? And can you get the hits? Or, yeah. or, or is this inherently boring? Uh, I don't think it will be inherently boring at all. And I think that's the, um, but the only issue is that it will take a while because it requires a bit more analysis and really thoughtful, I guess, like investigations, if I may say, you know, if I may say that, um, into why certain things happen the way it happened. So to kind of like take your um, example of Rupert Murdoch, um, uh, you know, like how, how it's transformed the news, um, 
is uh, using that emotional angle to, to, to tackle something instead of just like talk, talking about known truths and known lies. And, and maybe that's also the reason why, like, you know, um, shows like what you guys just described, and there's another one on Al Jazeera, it's called The Listening Post, another one yes. on NYC on the media. Um, I think this is a time for us to, like, cover media instead yes. of just, like, letting it be covered, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, letting it covering whatever that's going on. Yeah. So, 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 so to me, it's not about matter whether or not it can be entertaining or whatever. I think it's a new discipline on its own that needs to be, that needs to be championed. Um, and, and right now, people still look at this field as if it's something that, oh, this is for just, like, journalism nerds. It's only, like, it's only important if you're in media and that's why you understand this. No, I think this is, like, media literacy. And I guess that's why... Um, we have so many, you know, like we have like PolitiFact and I, I think, um, and we have uh, uh, ProPublica and we have like a bunch of these different news organizations that are just dedicated to covering newsmakers and not just news. If we can champion that as a field, I think we can do it entertainingly, but, but, but can we do both in one go? I think that's a bit difficult, mostly because it requires a lot of effort. So, yeah. Right. Well, we must move on. Thank you very much, Fern. It's, 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 it's a good thing to think about. But for, for you, Rahma, I would suggest you do the, the now this uh, way, which is to keep it about 30 seconds long, put a rather sad, tinkling piano underneath, and you, you're done. Thank, thank you. I will tell my investors that. Yeah. Piano. Always piano. Right? I, th I think certain markets do respond more to violin, but piano, I think, is pretty universal. Um, okay, we're going to move on, though, to uh, recommendations, where we recommend something that we think might be of interest, and Rahma is going to go first. Ooh, okay. So I'm not sure if you guys are going to be interested in this, but uh, I've been following this one Instagram account, and I like it so much. It's called The Walk Salaryman. Um, it's a, a series of sketches uh, about how to navigate quote unquote adulting. Um, and, and, and it's, it's, it's about like how to ask for, you know, like high salary and like uh, why you need to move out and all that. It's very catered to like, I think very Asian communities in their twenties and thirties trying to like move out of their parents' house. But that's not, it's not as rudimentary as that. Uh, I think it's, it presents thoughtful, um, you know, conversation about um, finance, about being independent, about, um, about I guess, like, about... So, for example, just um, the one that I just consumed about, I think, about two days ago was uh, how to ask for, you know, higher salary. And I, and I realized these kind of things... I'm not sure. Maybe people taught you, um, Cam and Vernon, when you were younger. I don't know. Like, it's just like, you know, was, these are the things that I, was, I wish there was just a guide, you know? I was thinking I should subscribe. I need I need lessons in adulting. I tell you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We all we all need it, right? And I, I think it just never never gets old. So so each time the Salaryman publish a new Instagram post with all these like really entertaining sketches, it makes me less. Oh shoot! I did not know that. Oh shoot! I actually don't know that. I just assumed that I know it. So it's just fun. It's not like a long article talking about yeah. you know adulting and all that. I just like. And, and I love Instagram, so... That sounds, yeah. that sounds brilliant. Um, so what's it called? The Woke Salary Man? Salary Man, yeah. It's operated by, uh, I think, I think two um, people in Singapore. Um, so it's very catered to, like, I think the Asian, Southeast Asian culture, navigating family, friend, money, adult thing. So, so it's okay. specific to, 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 to Malaysia, I would say. Yeah. Cool. All Check right. it out. The, uh, the Woke Salary Man. The on, Woke Salary Man. This, on yeah. Instagram. Um, 
Okay, so my uh, recommendation is, so obviously this is a very sad time for me, and I don't want to pretend otherwise. Uh, in fact, I would like, I, I wish I could express it even more because it's just the horror. But I mentioned the Beatles earlier, but uh, actually my recommendation is going to be, um, uh, there's this TikTok video that's been doing the rounds of uh, uh, this guy on a, like a skateboard, and then he's playing Fleetwood Mac's Dreams. And I don't know if you've seen it. It just seems like the most sort of like uh, happy kind of just contented human being kind of moment. And Are you on TikTok, Cam? Don't, 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 no, I mean, I, I don't know how I found it. I found it like... <laughs> uh, people, people, people faxed it to me, okay? And, um, <laughs> but I watched it. And on Twitter, I watched it on Twitter. And, and, I, and I think that I, I've recommended it before a long time ago. I want to recommend it again. Is the album that that song is on, Rumours by Fleetwood Mac. And it's really important if, if, if you did hear that song or if you've ever heard any of the Fleetwood Mac songs, you've got to hear it in the context, okay? You've got to frame it correctly. <laughs> and the context is the album. And the album, when they were making it, this was essentially two couples who were breaking up as they were making it. They made beautiful songs. And they're like singing these songs to each other about how I hate you so much and all that kind of thing. And, and it's a time of individual horror for the people that are in there, but they created something of lasting beauty, emotional resonance that, that is adult. It's truly adult. It's not a kid's album. And um, so I, I'd like to recommend um, Fleetwood Mac rumors. And if you heard from the TikTok, or if you've ever heard any of this song, just listen to it in its entirety if you can, and, and look at the backstory of who hated who and who was sleeping with who and all that kind of thing. Uh, so that's my recommendation. Fleetwood Mac rumors. Uh, Vernon, what's yours? Um, I, I don't know whether anybody has recommended this before, but I'd just like to give it another plug. Uh, the Chongshan Building in Kampong Atap in Kuala Lumpur. Uh, number one, there's a wonderful exhibition there by Chi Tu, the artist, called 95. Uh, when uh, look, going in and looking at it uh, might be quite a baffling experience, but once you understand uh, the motives behind it, it's really, really interesting. Uh, that's Chifu's Exhibition 95 at, uh, at the uh, gallery space. And Chongshan Building also has um, a crony of mine runs a cafe there called Tommy LaBaker. And he's just uh, expanded, so there's more space to accommodate more people, but you're only allowed to sit two to a table. Uh, what what I find interesting there is that he's serving French breads and stuff, but uh, but there's a weird kind of a Malaysianness to the whole thing, uh, and I can only suggest that you visit to see what it's like. Uh, but yeah, that's my recommendation. But the space itself, Chongshan Building, really interesting. A lot of ateliers or workshops for artists. You can walk around the building and you can actually you know meet different creative souls and talk about stuff uh, that they're doing. One of the new tenants is a place called Inka, I-N-K-A-A. I believe they do have a website. And it's run by a couple of guys who are featuring indigenous crafts in very, very interesting contemporary modern ways. Um, worth a check out, Chongshan Building in Kuala Lumpur, if you are in the city and if you intend to come to the city. Yeah, check it out. It's a great place. It's a great place. Rafa, you be, have you been there? Oh my god, so embarrassing. I haven't been there. I've only been outside of it. But go in. Yeah, yeah, I should. I should. You know why? It's because like 10 years ago when the NX gallery was the thing, 
Yeah. And I forgot yeah. the place like crazy. And then I came back home like about three years ago because um, I was abroad mm-hmm. for a bit. And then this is like one place that I haven't checked out, you know, because I end up being a salary man and I don't have weekends anymore, <laughs> but I should like change that. But yeah, 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 yeah. I've been wanting to do that. Yeah, everyone yeah. should go check it out. It's, it's a really wonderful little space. Uh, a Warren, a hive of activity. And it's very, yeah. it's very KL. You say Malaysian, it's, it's, very, it's very Kuala Lumpur. Um, and they're expanding. They've expanded into the uh, building behind them. They've got additional additional um, exhibition space and additional workshops for creative people. So it's yeah. quite a really nice, uh, you know, uh, uh, development of, of of what is a creative hub. Yeah, great yeah. to see it happen yeah. at this yeah. time. Yeah, that's great. Okay, well that brings us then to the end of um, this week's show. Uh, only remains for me to thank um, Vernon, Adrian, Amon. Uh, thank you. Uh, Vernon, do you have anything you want to tell us about with your Sarani Zimbang? You got any uh, <laughs> no. events coming up? Any? It's, it's, it's in a recess at the moment. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, Rahma Pauzi, who, uh, uh, well, thank you so much, Rahma. It's been great having you again. Yeah, all the thank best. You. Thank you. Thank you, Cam. Yep. Uh, and, and I want to thank you both, actually, for, for today, for helping me for the first time in like, a long time helping me take my mind off things for a moment. I think it's good to oh, escape for a moment. Yeah. So, um, and myself, Cam Raslan, and uh, so uh, please join us next time for another exciting episode of A Bit of Culture here on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.